had to watch myself on that edge. Go with them. I guess it's not a giant fall, but still. Still feel like it's it's enough that you could put a fall on YouTube. Something goes. <laughs> yeah, get your phones ready. He's getting close. Um, we are going to this week finish up our series on identity from Romans. Uh, next week we'll we'll do a little bit of a um, Palm Sunday themed uh, celebration message, and then uh, and then we'll be to to Easter. So. Um, here's, here's kind of the trajectory. Here's what, what I'm hoping that you got and hoping that you get. And yet, at the same time, I feel as though in, for the rest of this life, you'll probably be pursuing trying to get this. But at the heart of it, what I want all of us to catch is this, is that our identity and who we are is caught up in who Jesus is. And when we realize that who we are is caught up in who Jesus is, and we know him more, it makes our existence um, more meaningful, uh, more purposeful. It makes it, um, uh, it makes it more what all of us would like our existence to be. And yet, when we seek our identity in anything else, it tends to just uh, screw things up. And so one of the things, even before we began this, I was, I was super convinced was that identity, who we are, is the key issue for, for our time. And it's... Um, that's just practically speaking when I'm in, in schools or I'm around uh, young men or, or, or young families and things are going screwy and stuff's totally messed up. It's always an identity issue. It just is. Um, and so ultimately an identity issue is also a worship issue. Uh, like we are just constantly seeking meaning and purpose in who we are and something other than who we were created to be in something other than who Jesus is. And so we were, we were made to be, um, uh, be identified who, who, by who Jesus is. Uh, and, and that's the power and the greatness of the cross is this restoration of friendship and relationship with God and, and meaning who Jesus is. And so um, my, my prayer is that as we continue, even in those moments where you're like <laughs> completely frustrated, you're down, you're upset, uh, you're, you're on, the, on the verge of, of maybe committing sin, all of those kinds of things. My prayer is that you'll remember uh, from Romans 8 in, in, or from Romans uh, this concept that's all throughout Scripture is that your identity is in Jesus. That is who your, your, uh, your identity is caught up in. And so uh, that's, that's kind of where we've, we've gone with it. We've done a bunch of weeks now. Uh, we're kind of coming to the end, and we're going to go to Romans uh, chapter 8 uh, again. And, and towards the end, we're going to actually start at, at verse 26. And what we're going to talk about the, this morning is this concept. So all these things with your identity, uh, is, is identity is an interesting thing when your identity is in Christ, because in the one sense it's finished, because the work of Christ is finished. He's done what he's done. He is who he is. He's He's perfect. And yet, in the human sense, we're constantly trying to live into the reality of what that identity is. So, we're, we're righteous because Christ has given us his righteousness. But we don't, a lot of times, we don't act like it. And so, there's this, um, there's this pull, there's this tension where we're trying to live out uh, something that is already true, but we're trying to live it in a way, in, uh, in 
in our lives. We've been justified. We've been made holy. We've been made all of these things. And yet a lot of times our lives aren't, aren't matching up. And so we live in that tension. And we should, by the way, live in that tension. If Christ has justified you and if he has declared you holy and if he's given you his righteousness and if, he, if he's sanctifying you and if there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, if all of those things are true, you should want to live in a way that is consistent with that reality. You want to live consistent with, with who, you, who you are. And so it's the difference between, um, between religion. Religion says, do this and, and you'll be loved. And, and relationship with Christ, which says you are loved, therefore do this. Right? It's living into that, that reality that, that God is our Father. We are adopted children uh, of His. And now, yet we still... Because we are adopted sons of, of the living God, sons and daughters of the living God, we should be continually uh, now wanting to live in a way that, that is more consistent with the, with the values of our, of our Father. And so I want you to live in that tension, and yet I realize this, is that we all kind of live in a place where it's, it's difficult to go, okay, I, I love Jesus, and I know that my identity is in Him, yet I'm still struggling with this. And yes, I love Jesus and my identity is in him. And I know that he justified me. I know that, that, that he called me. I know that he adopted me as a son. But I still commit that sin. And so for the moments where you commit those sins, what we want to talk about this morning is this reality. Another part of your identity is this, is that, is that God did not, um, God has not and does not walk away from you. He does not leave you on your own and go, okay, you're saved, now measure up, right? We do not go back into a measurement system, but rather God himself has seen fit to empower you to carry these things out. And the way he does that is through, is through the Spirit. And so what we want to talk about this morning is about being Spirit-filled and Spirit-formed as relates to, to our identity. Um, I'll read to you from uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through, through 30, and then we'll, we'll dive into that. Likewise, uh, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what, know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what, the, what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he, might be the, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Okay? So the, the, the heart of this passage is, is this concept, is that the Spirit is at work in the life of a believer, and the Spirit is doing various things. Now, so let's just talk about backgrounds for a minute. So maybe you have no church background, and so when we say the Spirit, you're like, who? What? What's that mean? When we say the Spirit, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We are... We are um, we are confessional, historical, Christian people. We believe in the, in the Trinity, that God is eternally existent in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God as Jesus is God, as the Father is God. They are eternally uh, uh, co-equal. They, there is um, none with greater value. None, so there, there might be different function within that, but the Holy Spirit is, is God, right? And so uh, when we talk about the Spirit... Uh, Jesus himself ha has promised the Spirit to us, to believers, to help us 
carry out and live out various things in, in our lives. And so if you're not familiar with the term, that's kind of what we're talking about. Other people are familiar with the term, and then we're also talking about, about different things. So um, the spirit can be an interesting concept based upon your church background. So I'll just talk quickly about my church background. I grew up Baptist. Um, I grew up in a, church, a group of churches called the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches, um, which I'm sure historically has a meaning, uh, but we just really we don't know what that was. We just called ourselves the Garb, right? Um, side note, just a little parenthesis. If you're a teenager and you attend a church that is in the Garb and you add an idge to the end of that in front of your parents, you do get in trouble. Right? So I grew up in the I grew up in, in the garb. That's, that's what I grew up in. Um, I will say this ab- about, about the garb um, and as relates to the Holy Spirit. I used to tease as I was coming into, into my teenage years that rather than a trinity, we more believed in a uh, whatever the dual way to say that, a dual divinity, right? We did not talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. We acknowledged that the Holy Spirit existed, but for fear of being uh, too overenthusiastic about the Spirit, we did not talk about him a lot. Because in, 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 um, in sort of the way the garb functions, uh, or I should say functioned, I don't know what they're doing this morning, the way they functioned, right? In the way the garb functioned, a lot of what we believed and a lot of what we did was based upon not doing what other folks did, right? And so if you want a lot of how to be Christian in the garb was not being like those other Christians. And one of those other Christians were, were the Pentecostals and the Charismatics. And the Pentecostals and the Charismatics uh, really emphasized the Holy Spirit. I mean, they really emphasized the Holy Spirit. And because they did, we didn't. And the reason we didn't was because if you emphasize the Holy Spirit, maybe you're going to be associated with being them. And we didn't want to be associated with, uh, with them we being the, the garb, right? So uh, I grew up in a group that did not have a huge emphasis on the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are other, other groups like the garb who are very much like this, this as well. Um, a lot of our, our practical theology is, is reactionary, right? Those people do that, so we sure don't, right? And so um, I think on, in, in a number of senses, the, the theology of the garb as relates to the person of the Holy Spirit was relatively accurate. The practice of that was, was relatively not, right? Because the Holy Spirit is, as I've said, God. And so when you have no emphasis on that, that God, or rather even a fear of having an emphasis, a worry that maybe you would love the Holy Spirit a little bit too much, that is problematic because, as I said, he is he's God. So that's what I, what I grew up in. And um, so we didn't do a lot of Holy Spirit stuff. Right? And so I grow into an adult who has Baptist backgrounds and um, very, 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 very heavy Reformed leanings. And so if you mix Baptist Reformed, you do not get a lot of charismatic typically. Right? And so what we do is I study the Bible. I believe the Bible. And so I, I believe strongly a lot of things about uh, the Spirit. I know a lot of people from, uh, from our background would say that as they study the Bible, it makes them charismatic with a seatbelt on. Right? Like, oh, I believe that let's be careful. That's kind of my, my background. So on the flip side, some of you might have grown up in other kinds of churches that were not Baptist or who were not with, with, with Reformed leanings or otherwise, maybe they were. And, and for you, the Holy Spirit is like super common. Like that is your, uh, that is very, very central in, in all of your, um, your background beliefs. So when I'm in high school, when I'm in high school and kind of 
exploring and questioning theologically, I meet a group of people who are, who are, are, are charismatic, and I, I've told this, this story before, that my friend and I went to, their, to the youth group, and we showed up at, at the youth group, and there had to be like 500 people at this youth group, right? And we're all there, and the, the youth pastor yells out, are there any non-Christians here? Nobody raises their hand. In my opinion, even though there's 500, probably not the best way to figure that out, right? Like the people going, yeah, that's me, dude. So not a Christian, right? But they're, they're at youth group, so nobody raises their hand. So then he yells out, everybody speak in tongues. And, and darn it, most people, besides me and my other Baptist friend, did not go crazy with the tongues, right? Like it was a tongues pardon. It was going on. It was like... I'll be honest with you, because I'm a non-tongue speaker, I can't, you know, I have neither the gift of tongues nor the gift of interpretation. I'm not sure what's that, but lots of things were said, right? Um, I did learn my favorite tongues word uh, there, and some of you know my favorite tongues word, obliche. Obliche is a really solid tongues word. Uh, that word was used over and over and over during this thing. Obliche, 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 obliche. Which, again, no gift of translation, but I'm sure it's very... Um, very spiritually affirming. Um, so the, the pastor yells out, everybody's, and everybody speaks in tongues except for me and this dude. Because we might have been like more open to, to things of the spirit, but this is, this is like being, being like shot out of the spirit cannon. You know, it's like a little further. And so we're like looking at each other, and um, somebody came by, and we actually got yelled at for, for, not, uh, for not speaking in, in tongues, um, which, again... Uh, neither of us do. Maybe he does now. I don't know. I haven't, haven't seen him, but I don't speak in, in tongues except for the one word, obligee. Uh, so we get yelled at for, for not speaking tongues. That's sort of my, my adult, uh, uh, or my, my teenage experience, my adult experience. Uh, we'll just tell some of the classic stories this morning about the Holy Spirit. Uh, some of you have heard these, but there's they're, uh, they're my experience. So then I start working at Youth for Christ, and I meet a young man, and this, this goes right along with the, with the, with the Holy Spirit. I meet a young man who is uh, attending a very um, a more charismatic congregation. It is very, very in tune with, uh, with all things Holy Spirit. And he's like, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. So we're talking. That's awesome. And then, but then he said to me, somehow we got into the conversation. He said, is the Holy Spirit God? And he said, well, he's a part of God. I said, no. I said, is the Holy Spirit God? He said, well, he's a part of God. I said, this is unusual. So I remember calling his youth pastor and saying, um, I got one of your guys who grew up in the youth group here, and he's telling me that he can't say whether the Holy Spirit is God. And, and the youth pastor went, well, he's a part of God. Right? So this becomes problematic, but this guy, even though he was unclear uh, on the basics of the Trinity, was still very connected to things of the Holy Spirit. So connected, uh, in fact, that he gave me two of my, uh, my, my favorite phrases, my two favorite phrases, the dove is upon it, and I'm collecting honey for the end times. Right? I got these because he told me that the, the, he came into us one day. He's like, man, man, guys, I've got to give you a testimony. i got to give you a testimony, man. The dove is upon it. We're like, what? Again, remember, Baptist. Like, we don't do doves in the Baptist group. <laughs> Baptist pretty buttoned down. You can't just let a dove go flying around. That would make a mess, right? I get a little nervous just thinking about the dove being on things. Who's cleaning up after that bird, right? Um, but he's like, the dove was upon it. The, so we're, we figure out that the dove, the, the spirit was moving. It's like, the spirit told us something last night. The spirit told me, and I'm so excited. The Spirit told my sister, you won't believe her. Like, what did the Spirit tell your sister? He told her to collect honey for the end times. And we're like, 
could I get a little more direction on what you're saying here? And I'm like, so why? He's like, I don't know, but the dove was upon it. And apparently if the dove is upon it, you don't need a reason to collect no honey, right? If the dove's involved, you get the honey. Maybe the honey's going to feed the dove. I'm, I'm still rather unsure on this whole thing because I kept going, why are you collecting the honey? He's like, I don't know, but the Holy Spirit said, collect the honey for the end times. And so... I can only assume that the people who are like, let's go all natural, no processed sugar, are maybe right, and then in the end times, we, you just use the honey. I don't know the answer to this question. All I know is that these are sort of my experiences when people talk about the, about the Holy Spirit and people have like these wide-ranging sort of things. And so I will confess that I have a little bit of nervousness when we, when we t- start to talk about, about the Spirit because people go, well, I want you to be Spirit-filled. When you say you want me to be spirit-filled, do you mean that you need me to speak in, in tongues? Right? Um, because just a, here's, a, here's a theological note for those of you. I'm a, uh, I'm a theological non-cessationist, meaning that I don't believe that the sign gifts of the Spirit have necessarily ceased for the church today. However, I'm also a lot of times a practical cessationist, meaning that a lot of times I don't see those gifts working in the church today, which is to say that I believe God can do anything he wants in the church. But a lot of times those things which are sign gifts, things like tongue speaking, um, prophecy, other things like this, uh, the more sign gifts of the Spirit are used in congregations in ways where I go, what was the purpose of that? And I guess that's where where I'm going so a lot of times when people go, the Spirit is... When I hear that, sometimes I worry. And so I don't know if that gets you excited or gets you, you worried, right? Because sometimes when people go, you've got to be Spirit-filled, I think of the people on the TV. We just got... We tried, to, we tried to cut cable, right? So we just got rid of the cable and we tried to get an antenna. It did not work. It's going very poorly. Because what has happened now is that we get Fox 17 and about 40 different religious television channels, okay? Um... The problem with religious television channels is that they're religious a lot of times, but they're not super Christian. There is some strange stuff afoot on religious television. And so when a person says to me, you've got to be spirit-filled and spirit-formed, I'm like, I'm down with that, but can we qualify it? Because I don't really want to be like the dudes on religious TV, right? I don't want to be the dude throwing the Holy Spirit baseball. I don't want to be the people like where, where I touch you and you fall to the ground and, and, and lay there. I do believe absolutely unequivocally and without a doubt that God can heal anytime he chooses to, but I do not believe that, that typically, apart from the, the prayer of, of the elders laying hands on you, that you are going to be healed by a touch other than, than Jesus Christ, right? And so I see a lot of this, this, um, this stuff that seems to be all about the Holy Spirit, but it seems to be about the Holy Spirit, comma, please send money, right? I have been healed, please send money. There, there's, and so, I don't know if you, you get nervous, I'm just, I'm just speaking to, to the nervousness. But what I want to say here is this, right? Is that, is that being filled with the Spirit and being formed with the Spirit is a biblical concept, you can find it in, in the Bible. It, 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 is, um, it, is, it is relatively clear from the Bible. And a lot of the behaviors that, that people associate with being either spirit-filled or, or spirit-filled are not, not consistent with, with the Bible. And yet, because people participate in, in sorts of different sorts of things, uh, and because people get their own, does not mean that we should shy away from the reality is that we want the Spirit to empower us. We want the Spirit to, to form us. And that we do believe in the Trinity. And the Spirit is God. And we do believe um, 
the primary role and the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is, is to conform us to the image of the Son and to make the Son known. And so we believe these, these sorts of things. And so um, that bias out of the way, that reality out of the way, this is what I would like to say then. Uh, is this, is that you might be going, I have heard this whole thing, and I'm not sure how I'm ever going to match up to what God wants from me. And my response to you would be, on your own, you certainly are correct, you are not. But because of the work of Jesus Christ, what he did at the cross, and his sending of the Spirit, now it is possible for you to, to, to live in a way that is consistent with Scripture. In fact, it, it's promised. So, Uh, Starting in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't ever like to hear that. This is a reality. You and I and everybody here is weak because of our humanity. Our human nature is fallen. It is opposed to the things of God uh, from the time that our great, 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 great grandparents sinned against him in the garden. We have inherited that nature. And yet, as, as Christ comes in, as he regenerates us, there's coming a time when our, our human weakness will be wiped out, when Christ, because of the cross, will make all things new. There'll be a new heaven and new earth. But now we live in sort of this, this mid-time, this mid-reality, this, this, this time where we have weakness, right? And so, Weakness to me is these things. Sometimes you wake up in the morning wanting to do right, but feeling completely unable to. That is humanity. Um, we'll, just, we'll just be kind of honest uh, uh, for a minute, um, because I think it, it uh, demonstrates it well. I obviously struggle with my weight, right? Uh, I don't think that, that's a shock. Like, you don't have to adjust your screen. You don't have, I, I struggle with, with my weight. The stage does not add pounds. No, this is me. Okay. So I struggle with my weight. I've struggled with my weight for a long time. Here's the thing. I can lose weight. I'm really good at it. Like if you and I needed to have a competition to lose weight, lose it fast, I would win that competition. And then about six weeks later, you'd see me again. And I'd weigh 10 pounds more than I started. Right? Uh, over the period of, of three and a half months once, I lost 70 pounds because I wanted to. Right? I can lose weight. I just can't keep it off. I've got no power for, for lifestyle change. And so um, I was sort of getting, I'm like, I'm going to get back at it. I was back in the weight room. I'm, I'm lifting weights. I'm doing stuff. I'm starting to eat right. And then I fell in, in the bleachers and messed up my shoulder, which meant I couldn't exercise. And for me, exercise and weight loss are really, really connected. Um, so all of a sudden I'm sitting around again, and I get really, really depressed about the thing. Like, like I'm going to give up depressed. Like, you know, uh, I may not be able to lose weight, but someday I'll be able to be on the TV show My 600-Pound Life. Sort of depressed about it. And so then my other friends start to, to lose weight, and I'm trying to sabotage them. And then I start to feel bad that I was trying to sabotage them. I had to apologize. I said, listen, um, I'm not trying to sabotage you because I don't believe in you. You probably can lose weight. I'm just really depressed about me because I'm, like, in the, in the give-up phase of this, this sort of thing. Um, and so that continues because I'm still waiting on the MRI from my shoulder because talk about human weakness. I am too weak to be shoved into a little tube and get an MRI. So, uh, so I'm waiting for this, and I'm just, you know, all this, this sort of thing. I've given up, and I'm like, I just don't have the strength to, to do this. Um, I don't have that. And so then more recently i've been coming back around uh, these stories in the life of dave we put in a new we redid the whole house 
right? And one of those things is a new bathroom. One of the things about the new bathroom is a giant mirror. And the problem with the giant mirror is that I have to see myself in it. And the problem with seeing yourself in the giant mirror when you've given up on losing any weight is you continue to gain weight and you have to look at yourself, right? And if I didn't have to see myself in the mirror, I think I'd be okay, but I do, and I had to look at myself. And so I'm just getting more and more depressed and feeling weaker and weaker and weaker. And like, what am I going to do? And so recently I said, you know, I think I'm 95% in on the fact that, that starting Monday, I'm going to begin to watch what I eat, because guys, it got bad, um, you know, and so like, I'm like, I'm going to begin to watch, but then I remembered I was going to New York City uh, the following week, and like New York City and trying to watch, wait, that doesn't go well together, so I had to put it off for a week, right, so then, but then I came to Monday, and I actually did, I'm watching what I'm eating, it's going pretty, pretty well, um, I'll make no giant pr- predictions, uh, as will be clear in a minute, uh, I'll make no giant predictions about, but I'm like, I'm doing well. I'm doing okay. And yet the whole time, I, I said to someone, I said, I'm doing well and I'm not eating crazy, but I am on the verge all the time. Like, like at any moment, I could just flip out and, like, go, I'm eating well, I'm doing well. And then the next thing you know is I, you find me in the line at Burger King with, like, 60 hamburgers in my car, you know, like, asking, do you have anything fattier? Right, because that's where I was, and I felt like constantly on the verge, like I'm doing okay, but if I go too close to that refrigerator, it could fall all apart. I say all of that to say this is that there is a weakness to it. It wants to do the right thing, but there's like this war in us, and that's that's kind of um, if you think about it with weight loss or anything else, you want to do the right thing. Like I want to do well. I want to lose weight. I want to be thinner. I want to not see myself in the mirror, taking up all of it. Uh, I want to badly. I also want to eat cake, right? And so you hold those two things in tension, right? Want to be thin. Want to eat everything I see. There, there's a tension. And this is, this is the human tension, not just things like, like weight loss, but this is the human tension is that the Spirit helps us in our weakness because a lot of us uh, are... And our faith the same way. Like, we want to do right. We want to do what, what God calls us to. We want to leave our sin behind. We want to pursue holiness. We want to read uh, Scripture and study Scripture regularly. We want to have a robust prayer life. We want to lead our family in the way that, that Christ would have for us. We want to develop uh, Christian maturity. We want to do all of those things. Yet, at the same time, we want to sin. Because there's weakness. And so... This is the first thing. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. You have weakness, and so you're going, how do I live up to this image? If my image is in Christ, how do I live up to it? (coughs) Well, guys, on your own, you never will. You and I are too weak. We are never (coughs) living up. In that sense, this world is... uh, is, is a world of every temptation you, you could, could imagine, and it plays right into your human weakness. You never will live up, but the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, specifically, how? It says, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for, for words. Here's, here's the thing about us. Even when we go to God and we're trying to decipher his will, we're trying to decipher what is right, we're trying to decipher what, what is good, in, in our weaknesses, we don't even know a lot of, lot of times. I talk to people a lot of times that are paralyzed by this concept, like, what is the will of God? What would God want me to do? What's his, and we can be paralyzed. We don't even know how to pray or how to say what God is aware, and he has given us the spirit to intercede for us on, on our behalf. And so sometimes this verse, I know I talked about, about tongues earlier. This is not talking about, about tongues 
for, for several reasons. One of the reasons I can't be talking about speaking in tongues is this. Is that it's a general promise that Paul is giving to, given to all believers, right? The Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf. It's a promise for everyone. Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 14, where he's talking about tongues, says, not everyone has the gift of speaking in, in tongues. And so this, this passage can't be speaking about, about tongues or about a prayer language, but what it's speaking about is this. is like you go to prayer and you're, you're trying to pursue Christ and you're trying to pursue Him in you and you're trying to pursue the things you don't know how to pray and you don't know what to say and you don't know what His will is. The Spirit uh, intercedes for you by knowing both your heart and the heart of God. So he connects those prayers. And so the idea is, even though, though we, are, um, we are not at all perfect, we don't know what to pray. We walk, I don't know if you've ever gone into a prayer time and you, you, you're praying and you really want to connect with God and you come out of it like feeling guilty afterwards because of the way in which you, you pray. Um, uh, I don't know if you remember the movie um, Up. In the movie Up, there's a dog. The dog uh, loves, uh, you know, I think his name's Doug. You remember Doug, Doug the dog? Well, Doug, Doug the dog has a focus problem. And he, so Doug the dog would be like, I love you, I love you, you're the best, I really love you. Squirrel! I feel like sometimes in my prayer life I can be like Doug, right? God, I really love you, I really want to follow you. And the next thing I know, I'm thinking about the, the cares and the concerns of my day. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do later. I'm thinking about what a sports... And I'm like, okay, and then I try and rein in my focus and try and get... And sometimes I walk away from it going, I'm trying to talk to the living God, and I thought about this and about that. And, about the, and then I think to myself, is God going to answer my prayers based upon my, my useless ability to even be focused in my prayer life? Sorry, microphone. And the answer to that is no. Like he knows my weakness. He knows he knows that 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 I am human and, and even then he meets me in prayer. And then so in those moments where I'm like, I just don't know what to pray. And sometimes um uh, I think there's there's probably two kinds of people, those who are like, I don't speak very well, so I don't know what to say to God, and those who, who, who like, feel like we, we speak well, and so we try and impress God with our big words, like, Father, thank you that thou hast. You know, we try and get, like, really fancy, and you're, like, you're working, like, sanctification and propitiation, every sort of fancy theological word in you, into your prayer, and you're trying to impress God with, it, with what you say. Like, sometimes I, I do that, and other times I'm just like, I don't know, but my point is, is this, is that, Listen, God gets that you're, you're weak, and the Spirit intercedes on your behalf. Like, the Spirit is, 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 is there to help you pray what you ought. And, but in that, we would also say then that the Spirit makes it so that your prayers, though imperfect, can be perfected as they, they proceed to the throne of God. He is God, so He knows your heart, and He knows the heart of God, and so it connects those those prayers, so that in trying to become like Him, in trying to discern the will that, uh, that God has you, in trying to live out the image of, of God that has in you, the Spirit intercedes for us with, deep, with groanings too deep for words. Like, you don't have the words. Sometimes you just have, I don't know if you've met those moments, but at some point in life you're going to meet a moment where you go before a holy God and say, God, this situation is too deep for me. It's too great for me. I don't have a word to say. And then, and then the Spirit intercedes in, uh, on behalf of you. Uh, verse 27, uh, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. 
because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of, of God. So in other words, the Spirit's praying on our behalf there. He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. So the Father knows the heart of the Spirit. The Spirit knows the heart of, of mankind, knows our heart. And the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. In other words, if, we, if our image is in God and we're being Spirit-filled and Spirit-formed, the Spirit is, is perfecting and making our prayers, uh, prayers to God. He's interceding for us. Verse 28. And we know that those who, for, uh, for those who love God, all things work together for good. Right? That's a famous verse, right? People love that verse because they can make it say all kinds of things. Right? Here's what it's saying in this context. The Spirit... Uh, um, Although, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Good, in this sense, is, is being conformed to the image of the Son. Good, in this sense, is your prayers being heard. Good, in this sense, is that the Spirit intercedes for you. So it's everything that, that comes before. When you don't, know the, you don't know the will of God, you don't know what to say, you don't know how to say it, you go through struggle, you go through... All of those things are working together for good. Good, in this case, is you being conformed to the image of the Son. That's you being more, more like Him. So, um, sometimes we like to Americanize that. Sometimes we like to put the American uh, dream in it, right? Uh, sometimes you meet people who know only one verse in the Bible. They certainly are not that interested in Jesus. But those brothers, all things work together for good. All things work together. That is true, but it is true within a context. And the context here is that you might be more like the Son. The context here is that the Spirit might intercede for you. The context here is that, that God might, that the Spirit of God might, through the Spirit, might, might pray the things that are best for your heart that would make you more like Him. So good here is being conformed to the image of the, the Son, and then more generally, anything that is good in the sense that is good for the glory of the Father. Right? And so, it is not... It is not, well, I'm going through a hard time, but it's going to work for good. And sometimes people in our culture especially uh, associate good with material blessings, right? I'm going through a hard time now, but after I go through the struggle, God's going to give me cash. That's not what this verse is saying. In fact, to read Scripture in that way is to read Scripture while ignoring the whole narrative, right? Because if you read what's happening, if Paul wrote it, Paul's martyr, Right? Paul ends up being killed. Did things work together for, for good? Either Paul's a liar or good is not material. Right? Uh, all, of the other, all of the other disciples, save John, uh, end, up, end up being martyred for their faith. Was this true in their life or was it not? If this is material, all things work together for good. In other words, you're going to have a big house. You're going to have a big fence. You're going to have a big car. You're going to have money. You're going to do this. All these things that we call blessings, right? Uh, all those things, and, and they are in the sense that God has given them blessings, but they're not blessings in, in this deep sense. All these, these sorts of things that we are inadvertently pursuing are not ultimately the point. If they are, you have to explain why all of the disciples, all the original followers of Jesus, are killed for their faith with the exception of John. And John's not killed for his faith because he just didn't die when they tried. They put him in a vat of boiling oil, they boiled him, and he didn't die. Right? But Thomas is, 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 a, is a martyr in India. Peter's crucified upside down. Paul, after going through trial after trial after trial, is killed for his faith. All of the disciples, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, falls off from a building after refusing to recant his faith, falls off from a building, does not die. They run up to him and say, now will you recant? He says no, and they kill him with a giant rock. You need to ask then, 
if the, all things work together for good, then the Bible must be defining good slightly different than our culture defines good. Right? And I say that because I don't want you to pursue or invest your lives in things that are not really good. It's not that material blessings are bad. If you receive material blessings, thank God, be happy for it. I'm just saying they're not promised to you. And they do not seem to be a key concern of, of Scripture. This goes back to what we talked about, about religious TV and things they say about the Holy Spirit. Right? Because they seem to believe that the Holy Spirit is there to function like a cosmic ATM machine to make you wealthy, to make you rich, to make you blessed. Here's the reality. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are equally blessed to every other person that is in Christ Jesus. To quote other people who, uh, uh, various people have said this, but, but here's a quote. The man who has Jesus Christ in everything has no more than the man who has Jesus Christ and nothing. Right? Jesus Christ is the sum. He is the fullness of, of blessing. Right? And so if you want to talk about blessing, if you have Jesus, you are equally blessed to the person who has Jesus and money. If you have Jesus and not a thing, you are blessed. It might not feel like it, but you are equally blessed. Jesus is the sum total of what it means to be fully blessed uh, uh, from God. So you might get gifts. You might, and I'm not looking down on gifts. I'm just saying it's not a worthy pursuit. And sometimes people get that confused, especially with this verse. All things work together for good. Oh, honey, you're going to go through it now, but sometimes Jesus is going to pay that off. you just got to sow your seed, and he's going he's to give you a harvest. And the harvest is always money, and the harvest is always cash, and the harvest is al- always uh, uh, It's all these sorts of things. And I'm going, that's not Scripture. In fact, it's, it's ravenously inconsistent with Scripture, and it places our focus where it shouldn't be because it steals from the actual good news. The actual good news is this. It's all things do work together for good. What's good? It's, con- it's being conformed to the image of the Son. It's relationship. It's the Spirit who prays on, on our behalf. So, all that to say, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, what is good? It is to be like Him. It is to know Him. It is for the Spirit to, to pray on, on our behalf. Continuing then, for those whom He foreknew, right? This is the, the end. So those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the thing. It works for good. Why? Because he's predestined us to be conformed to the image of the son. Everything that happens to you, every struggle you go through, everything where you're like, why, God, am I going through this? The answer is right here. So that you might be conformed to the image of the son. You go, why? Why are you doing that? Because God decided beforehand that he would make you like him. So God, you go, well, isn't that bad? Isn't that awful? Why should I have to struggle? The Bible does not seem to agree that your struggle is bad if it makes you more like Jesus. In fact, the Bible seems to call that good. And we don't like to hear that, but frankly, it's a much more realistic message than if I came up here and told you this morning, pray really hard, sow your seed, uh, trust God for the good, you'll all get rich, right? Because most of you are never getting rich, Right? Uh, if you sow your seed, if you believe, if you trust the Holy Spirit, you'll never be sick. You'll never suffer. What giant lies? I'm setting you up for a crisis of the faith where you're going to have to eventually abandon Jesus and abandon Scripture because everyone who has ever preached this message, those who trust God and trust the Spirit and have enough faith will never be sick. Everyone who's ever preached that message has died or will die. It doesn't work. And so it might seem like a bad message to hear all things in your life, including the terrible things, are working together for good. You go, what's the good? The good is that you might be conformed to the image of the Son. That might seem like bad news, but it's actually great news. The reason it doesn't seem like good news to us yet sometimes is because you and I do not yet have the fullness of the mind of Christ in us. That's why we need the Spirit to pray on our behalf. 
right? Because sometimes dangerous prayers need to be made, and you and I do not want to make them or do not have the energy to make them. We don't have the energy to say, no matter what, God, no matter what, make me more like Jesus. But thank goodness the Spirit, knowing our heart, prays those prayers on our behalf so that all things, even the horrific human things, work together for the good of us being conformed to the image of the Son because He decided beforehand, right? This goes Ephesians 1.4. God chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we might be holy and blameless in His sight. It says again and again, like the plan of God is not something to be thwarted. It's not something to be something that, that, that's not going to happen. He is predestined. He's decided beforehand that you and I will be conformed, will measure up to the image of God. And He's doing this through the Spirit. Uh, and those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. Here's, here's the idea, guys. Right? Uh, there's so much deep theology that I absolutely love in verse 30 that we're just going to, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop the microphone on that, right? Walk away, go read that. On it. That's powerful, right? But we don't have time to go deep into that except for to say this, is that it is a surety. You being in the image of the Son, you being conformed to the image of the Son, if you know Jesus is not a maybe, it's not a hope so, not I really want, it's a surety. Why? Because he has predestined it to be so. He decided beforehand that it would be so. He says it here, he says in Ephesians, says it all over Scripture. He decided beforehand, he knew beforehand that you would be his, and he knew that in making you his, he would put the Spirit in your life to conform you to the image of the, of the Son. Right? So, if you're... Uh, if you're in that place where you're, uh, where you're worried, where you're like, can I do it? Will I do it? I don't know how to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm so upset. I don't, if you're in that, and I don't know if you get that, but I get that sometimes. Going, when is my life ever going to match up to the image of the sun? If you're there, I just want to remind you this. It is a promise that it will come true. And it is all true because God has given us the Spirit. series of messages on that, but this one caps it in, in the moments. Remember that the Spirit is at work to, to make it true. The Spirit is at work in you to, to, um, to carry this out. The Spirit is, is, is forming you and conforming you to the image of the Son. May we, may we consistently, as we go into the Easter season, may this be confirmed in us, that our identity is caught up in Christ. Pray with me.